Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network, your home for hockey talk covering every team in the NHL. New episodes every Monday. Download at thehockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from. This is the Leaf Sky Podcast. Here's your host, Jim Taddy. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Leaf Sky, episode number 56. Jim Taddy with you for the next 30 minutes or so. Our guest today, Terry Koshan from the Toronto Sun. Interesting conversation. They all are. Come on, let's be honest here. You can't have enough Leaf talk regardless of what time of year it is. Before we get there, week one may be over, but the season is just getting started at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. To kick off week two, DraftKings is giving new customers $200 in free bets instantly when they bet $1 on any football game. Listen up because you don't want to miss this. Head to DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Place a bet of $1 on any week two game to receive $200 in free bets instantly. Not tomorrow, not next week, instantly. If Sportsbook is not available in your area, DraftKings still has huge cash prizes up for grabs all season long with their daily fantasy contests. DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. Ladies and gentlemen, here is the call to action. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use the promo code, what is it? THPN to receive $200 in free bets when you place a $1 wager on any football game. The promo code is is THPN this week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the National Football League. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for complete details. All right, to the hockey story. So the development camp is over. The Prospects Tournament in Traverse City goes on the weekend, and then camp opens. We map all this stuff out in our conversation with Terry Koshan from the Toronto Sun. So, Terry, the development camp is done on to the Prospects Tournament, and then camp opens uh, Wednesday, September 22nd. So, I mean, it happens fast. What, what did you take out of the development camp? Well, you know, I think it's just a good time and for, for the least to, these kids to get their feet wet. You know, a lot of them have been through this process a few times, of course. The Nick Robinsons, the Semyon, Derek Chinsevs of the world, guys like that, Jim. But, uh, you know, some of the free agents, the Leafs have signed. Uh, there were, you know, seven or eight free agent kids i think went on to traverse city as well but really a lot of you know just the prospects get their feet wet a bit uh, get to know each other um 
you know, Haley Wickenheiser is running it for the first time, as we know, and uh, there's an emphasis on um, uh, determination and uh, and really getting things done in the game type of style. I know that they weren't emphasizing practicing too much while the camp was on, but, um, you know, normally this would have been done earlier in the summer. Uh, usually this type of thing happens uh, quickly after the draft, but given the, uh, the uh, you know, the, um, the restrictions of the pandemic, they waited till now. And of course, they took a group to Traverse City to compete in that tournament. But it, it was it was good. I mean, Nick Robertson really dominated what she has to do to to really take any type of step here. And um, you know, uh, it, it was a, it was a good uh, weekend to get the kids back on the ice. Yeah, I mean, a couple of things about Nick Robertson that that uh, trigger questions. Um, one would be a, a, like a general question on, on Nick Robertson. I, I think he has the ability to really upset the apple cart, if you will, in that if he could penetrate that Leafs roster and then continue to evolve, he could actually knock some people out of position that the, the Leafs have sort of slotted in. Would you agree with that? Oh, for sure. But, you know, I, I, I'm just kind of curious as to what the thinking is with him right now. And I guess we'll have a better idea once we talk to Sheldon Keefe on the first day of camp uh, next week. But, uh, you know, he's part of the thinking, you know, go down play with the Marlies and really dominate there this year, because that didn't happen last year for him. It just was, it was an up and down season for him for a lot of reasons. Of course, the injuries, you know, a few cups of coffee for Leafs, but I, I, I think that could happen. I think that he will tell you for sure that there's a possibility of that because the one, one of the things playing in his favor as you and I have talked about is there's nothing settled on the left wing. No, nothing. I mean, you could look at, you know, and I, I, and I wouldn't even put him, you know, I don't, he's not a three, four line guy. Obviously he's, he's a top six. It's where he's got to play. Um, you know, if, if one school of thought has Alex Kerfoot on the left wing on the line with Tavares and Nylander, well, then you have only one slot, but that may not necessarily be the case. Perhaps Kerfoot has to start, you know, camp at center. If Austin Matthews isn't ready to go on Wednesday, uh, full bore, and he, he probably won't be with the wrist. So there are a lot of moving parts here, Jim, but yeah, I, I think that a couple things. Robertson will tell you he's going to make a, a run for one of those spots, but I also I'm also curious to know for sure whether the Leafs maybe think the better plan for him would be to, um, you know, have a really good year of development with the Marlies. You know, that could be the plan now. But if he comes in and dominates in camp through the preseason, well, yeah, he should be on the opening roster for sure. I mean, there's a lot of plate spinning here. Uh, you're looking for a, a series of left wingers to establish chemistry uh, with star players, certainly Tavares and, and Nylander and, and Matthews and Marner. And uh, then, you know, aside from the chemistry, you're asking people to do a specific role. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and, I mean, obviously the offensive uh, talent is on the right side, the center and the right side, not the left side. So this is a, this is a working class role. Um, this isn't for everybody. I, I think the best example of, of great junior finding a role in the NHL, certainly with the least might've been Darcy Tucker. Now, not everybody makes that adjustment. People think that they, that they're, you know, maybe entitled to, or, or, or better than the, the job they're asked to do. And, and that's just a normal human nature thing. And I think maybe McKayev at some point might fit into that. This is a difficult thing to try and fit uh i guess uh circles into square boxes it is and you know you mentioned a guy like Ilya mikhaev who uh reportedly asked for a trade at the end of last season well come in now and prove to us your worth then because you you i i i, I would love to know what the argument was on the part of agent daniel milstein and asking for 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 a, for a way out because it's not like Ilya mikhaev didn't get his opera hasn't had his opportunities in toronto and uh you know, 
and we've actually had scoring opportunities. He doesn't put them in the back of the net. It's not like this guy's been benched and watching from the press box and he needs a fresh start. At least that's what it looks like on the outside looking in. But he's a guy that's going to be curious. I'm going to be curious to, to uh, obviously to keep keep an eye on through camp here. But um, yeah, you, you've got to adjust to that. If you're some of these guys who are coming and you mentioned Tucker is a good example. Um, the players who come from junior have to realize that for the most part, nine, nine out of 10, who are successful in the NHL won't be able to do the exact same things they did at the junior level. And the guy like Nick Robertson, Healy Wickenheiser already mentioned it last week in talking to us. Um, he, you know, she said he learned he couldn't do some things at the AHL level that he could do a junior quite as, quite as simply. And uh, you know, to make that step to the NHL, he's going to have to take that into account as well. But I think the opportunity is good for him, but you know what, Jim, you know, we'll have to see. I mean, you talk about square pegs and round holes or vice versa. Nick Ritchie has never played more. He's played one year in the NHL of his seven or eight, where he's averaged more than 15 minutes a game. Now you're going to look at him and say, okay, we expect you to be a top six guy. Is he ready to make that jump? Michael Bunting has 26 games. Is he ready to make a jump to an, an everyday NHLer? You know, possibly on the third line, I suppose, if everyone's healthy and you have Kerfoot on the left and the second. Um, you know, we'll have to see. But uh, that that whole left side, like I said, the question marks are there all the way through. And, uh, you know, we'll see what how it plays out starting Wednesday. Yeah, I mean, I, I think uh, most of us are, are patient enough to, to sit there and see how it unfolds. My only concern would be if it doesn't unfold, what's your plan B? Because there has to be one. Well, the plan B is the uh, is the uh, shell game. You start moving guys around and hopefully something pops up and works. You're going to yeah. have to. I, I, I don't know, like – it depends how it depends how you define what works and what doesn't. Is it, if it is it not working to the point where it's a detriment to the team and they're not winning hockey games, you know? Or is it not working to the point where the Leafs are okay? Well, we're not getting much from the left side, but thankfully the Marner, Matthews, Nylanders, Tavares of the world are producing, and we're able to get by. Um, you know, you, you would hope that right off the bat there's not a test of the Maple Leafs' depth in that case. Um, well, but this, but you know what, Jim? This is what this is what Dubis. I don't want to say painted himself into a corner, but it kind of is. When yeah. you're when you're steadfast in your belief in your guys and you're not going to deal into them and you have a cap situation that's flat, then this is what you're quote unquote stuck with. Hopefuls. Fingers crossed that these things work out and we'll see. Yeah, I mean, I agree with that. I mean, they have uh, their box into a corner financially, and so they couldn't buy the big present in the offseason. They got a collection of small gifts, and they may work yeah. out or they may not. And, and, you know, quite frankly, there's a part of this that actually works for me. If you've got a constant rotation on the left side, uh, that may be what you need to get into the playoffs, and the other team doesn't know what you're going to do. You, you're able to mix and match three or four different ways, and that might be hard to defend against. It could be. And uh, you know what? Uh, we'll have to see. It's just, um, you know, at, at, at this point, if you're Sheldon Keefe, you're hoping that that winds up not being the case. I think in, in the perfect world for him, these things get solidified for the first 20 or 40 games of the season. You know what you have going in. And you're not moving people around. Um, but, uh, you know, I think it's a situation where that's going to have to happen. I do know this. If I'm we could talk about the uh, question marks, but if I'm one of these guys vying for a job, I'm salivating at this opportunity. Oh, someone's looking at me and saying, someone in the league saying, look, you could play with Matthews or Tavares. You're going to get this opportunity. And if it doesn't work with one, you might get a shot with the other. There's got to be three or four people going into this camp where, you know, Nick Ritchie and Michael Bunting and, and, and Neil McKay have, uh know they have jobs. They know they're going to be on the Maple Leafs opening roster. 
but it's up to them to determine where. And if I'm one of those guys, this is an opportunity that I think is, uh, is, uh, I can't wait to take a hold of. Well, you, you said the key word opportunity and quite frankly, you know, instead of saying under the gun, I'm going to say there's opportunity here literally for every part of this roster. So let's go through this. I mean, the goalies have an opportunity to really make a name for themselves, the both of them collectively and individually, the defense and Morgan Riley has an opportunity to make a name for himself. All those forwards on the left side and the core four have an opportunity. So does the coaching staff, including the head coach. So does the front office. This is really, I mean, they should all embrace this as opportunity knocks here. Well, they all should. And, and that opportunity, you know, how that opportunity is answered, we're not going to know until the playoffs start. We know that. Yeah. I mean, the Leafs could go through the season and finish, you know, third in the Atlantic gym and, and we could be, oh boy, what's going to happen in the playoffs? And maybe they win a couple of rounds, you know, I don't know that they're going to win their division. I think Tampa Bay will, uh, but uh, we really, we, we won't answer that until the playoffs start and end for the Maple Leafs. That's when we'll know whether they've taken advantage of, of that opportunity or not in the big picture. You know, in the regular season, we can break it down into segments and this sort of thing and, and where they had finished in the standings and all that and and who does what individually, how many goals Matthew scores, you know, whether Richie or Bunting comes to the floor and scores 20 or 25 in that top six. You know, that'll all be great, but none of it's going to matter until, you know, the playoffs start in April and we go from there. And then there is your opportunity and what did you take advantage of at that point? Yeah, uh, you know, I, I think that we're all going to go into the first round of the playoffs holding our breath, and, and each ensuing round, however far it goes, uh, you know, there's, I, I guess the ultimate question would be, what would you define as a successful Maple Leaf season? Because that that's really what we're going to end up trying to figure out all through the regular season and into the playoffs. What, what determines that people don't get fired, traded, or whatever? I asked myself that question in, in the story that I filed today. It's sort of a column of things I was looking at at the Maple or filed yesterday's story, looking at some of the things that, uh, you know, kind of percolating over the summer and that, and that, that is a big question. And really that's, that's up to the board. What is a successful season for you? Um, I, I can't imagine that uh, losing in the second round would be seen as a success. Well, listen, put it this way, Jim. The only thing that they see as a complete success, obviously is winning the Stanley cup. But then yeah. I guess what you're saying is then what becomes acceptable after that? So people aren't showing the door. Right. The heat is on all three of them, Shanahan, Dubas, and Keith. And and Keith almost might maybe maybe you say collateral damage because if a new GM comes in, he'll want his own guy. But yep. um I, I don't know. I, I really don't know. Is is it a win in the first round and you lose in the second? What happens if they win seven gamers first round and get swept in round two? I mean, anything's possible. That's not a success. Do people come back? Probably not. I would have to think this league least team for me at least, would have to get to the conference final, whether they win or lose at that point, to have some sort of semblance of positivity going forward. Okay, so so maybe the better way to, to – I'm going to rephrase that question right. uh, because I think regardless of what happens, you're still looking at roster transition because yeah. that's the nature of the beast. Because of their cap situation, uh, you're going to have roster transition whether they win or lose. So I, I guess the ultimate question would be, you know, what happens with Morgan Riley? Uh, what is the collateral damage uh, even in a Stanley Cup win? Yeah. Everybody can't come back. So, I mean, it, it's sort of uh, maybe, maybe a, a disappointing loss speeds things up and makes it more volatile but there is built-in transition there's no question about that oh for sure and you know say the Maple Leafs win the Stanley Cup and Morgan Riley leaves well certainly the Leafs won't be the first team in, in NHL history to have to uh, quote unquote see some important pieces go out the door for financial reasons upon winning a Stanley Cup Chicago Blackhawks perfected it and managed to keep winning uh, for one example um, 
but but these these are part of the things that are going forward. The bigger pain would be that if if Roddy winds up leaving like Zach Hyman did without having won anything. And there's a very real possibility of that because Morgan's going to be, you know, in line for a contract that pays in the range of seven and a half to $8 million a year, given what we've seen the other contracts signed by defensemen uh, this past summer. And uh, as of right now, if you're the Maple Leafs, I don't, I don't know, excuse me, how you, how you fit that into everything. Jack Campbell, what if he has a great year? He's making 1.65 this year. At least double that, at least, if not Double would be a bargain. Yeah, double would be a bargain. So there will be a lot of questions. Again, you know, so we circle back to the pressure on this team, and I think the the pressure is greater than it's ever been, certainly in in the past couple of decades, to win this year. A, because I don't think that, uh, you know, Kyle Dubas and Brendan Shanahan could be looking ahead to next season thinking, well, if we don't do this again, if we don't get success again, we're going to be okay. I don't think that's a guarantee at all. And then, you know, what changes have to be made to a team that maybe loses in the first or second round? If you have somebody new come in, do they decide, okay, this core isn't what Dubas thinks it is. I'm going to move somebody out. I, I, I just think that the, the questions are vast. And again, the um, that'll be the most fascinating thing is to what in the end will the board, MLSC board think um, success looks like if it's not the Stanley Cup. Maybe it's cup or bust. Maybe they look at these guys and say, look, we don't win. You got. I don't think this has actually happened, but maybe some are thinking we don't win. Th- this gets blown up. Like how many more times do we have to lose in the playoffs before something happens here? Well, look. I, I mean, don't don't think that that's too volatile because that could be the case based on the fact that the same ownership group owns the Raptors mm-hmm. and they well understand where this goes if you win a championship. I mean, the Raptors have that template, to, and everybody would understand that that you you know what the, the Leafs template would actually probably be worth more money. I hate to say it, but but right. I think if if the Leafs were to do this, uh, there might be actually worth more to the parent company. Um, and and so having said that, they they know. Uh, they they have somebody on their employment scrolls that actually made the right decisions for the basketball team. So they, I mean, whatever the Raptors did plays into what the Leafs aren't doing. Oh, for sure it does. And you know that's that's part and parcel of being owned by a couple of teams being owned by the same by the same people is that uh, you know the the comparative thing is is always going to be there. And really, I think you're right. The there's always been the pressure on the Leafs to win. And that ramped up certainly when the Raptors won a couple of years ago, the NBA title, there's no doubt about it because what exactly the focus should now go, okay, now what happens with our hockey club, which ostensibly is the, you know, the crown jewel of MLSE, which, you know, it, it, it wasn't two years ago when the Raptors won. So that's there, but I, I don't know. I, I just think that, uh, you know, you got a guy like Shani going into his eighth year at doing this. Uh, Kyle Dubas is fourth year as general manager. Um, you know, the patience of the, the board, if it's not, I don't know that it's broken, but it's got to be stretched thin at this point because you can't well, keep walking, you're walking into preseason board meetings and okay, here's, here's how we're going to win and here's how we're going to do it. And then at the end of each first round, be shrugging your shoulder going, okay, maybe next year. Yeah, I, I agree with you that way. Um, you know, it's a, it's an interesting premise when you think about it. Um, you know, uh, I guess it wouldn't be the first time that the uh, front office has been cleaned out and the incoming front office actually won a Stanley Cup and would be standing there saying, well, these guys set the table for us and we finished it off. So, I mean, that, that happens all the time. Uh, the guy I want to go to is, is Alex Kerfoot. Um, 
just because, and I, I want to preface this, we're talking about Alex Kerfoot's salary, mm-hmm. not the player. When we're mm-hmm. talking about Morgan Riley, we're talking about his contract, not the player. Uh, the, the Kerfoot thing, the way they described his job in the summer was, you know, could be up on the left side, could be the third line center. And then as soon as they did that, they brought in a bunch of guys to play on the left side and another possibility is a third line center. They almost made him redundant. Now, I, I don't know that he is, but but when I look at that 3.5 and I look at Morgan Riley's situation, another I, I think an, another general manager would have looked at this and said, let's sign Morgan Riley and move Kerfoot out, and, and then we don't have any problems in a year's time. What do you think of all that? Yeah, well, you know what? I, I think that the in that sense, the clock is ticking a bit on Kerfoot, given the contract. He's at three and a half for the next two years. We were talking earlier about, you know, some of these people can come in and make an impact on the left side. Well, David Kampf comes in and – you know, we're presuming will be that third line center because they love him for his defensive uh, abilities. I don't think he's going to be on the fourth line. I think that's a, a Spetzer role or wherever you slot into that position. But, uh, you know, if, if he comes in and does his job well, if you've got Nick Ritchie and Bunting and Mikheyev, uh perhaps on the left side, especially Ritchie and Bunting doing things, even surpassing expectations, um, you know, then it looks a lot more amenable to the, to the manager group, I think, to move the Kerfa contract out. Because, you know, the, the luxury of it is you didn't have to do that yet with Riley because you can still do that at any time, right? Right, the yeah. Season. So you you do have that. For now, you have that time on your side. And, you know, having said that, though, would there be more comfort if you just cut your losses or whatever you want to call it with Kerfoot and, like you suggest, Jim, trade him and then get Riley wrapped up and done, uh, perhaps. But, you know, on the other hand, too, maybe the player's looking at it and saying, well, behind closed doors saying, I want to, I want to give this a shot next year. This is the only time I've been this in my career. And let's see where I can go with this on the open market. That could be part of it too. Oh yeah. You know, and if you're Morgan Riley, you have to be thinking a little bit that way. I mean, you know, Zach Hyman, it's interesting with Hyman, the, the word was initially that, um, you know, had there been the money, uh, we wouldn't, he, he'd be here. He, there would be no question about the fact that he'd be here. It would have been done long before free agency, and all this sort of thing. Well, now there's a bit of a word and, you know, that, okay, he was feeling stagnant here, fresh opportunity, all this sort of thing. Well, that, that was never part of the conversation two or three months ago when he right. was still Maple Leaf and all this sort of thing and had the money been there and all that. So Riley, Riley is going to be uh, an interesting uh, uh, situation, but as far as Kerfoot goes, um, you know, I, I imagine he's bought a house now at this point in Toronto. I don't know, uh, you know, if he thinks he's going to be living in it by the end of the year, if for whatever reason the Leafs have, have come to a point at the trade deadline where they aren't doing as well as they have, and he's still part of this club, perhaps it happens then you uh, you trade and get that money then. But um, you know, it, it's an interesting spot. I talked earlier about those guys having to go in and earn something on the left side. Well, for Kerfoot, if if you're not going to be that center, then then again, it's another opportunity we think to go prove that you can play with Tavares and Elander on a long term basis a guy who has to be excited by that opportunity if he can keep slipping his contract past Kyle Dubas. Yeah. I mean, there's just a, uh, I mean, you know, we, we don't know how the season's going to end. So, uh, you know, we're not, we don't have the benefit of retrospective analysis, but, but I think my point on, on all this is that again, it's got nothing to do with the players um, or, or their salaries. It's, it's the Leafs that, that have to sort of move forward with um, market values and salaries. And I just think that, 
you know, if, if you could have a conversation with Morgan Riley, knowing what Zach Hyman has said and, and sort of bring that to a head and, and understand if he wants to uh, stay here or not. And, and if he doesn't want to stay here, wants to test the market, then then for me, that's a liability. That's somebody that you consider moving right away because you're just it's it's going to get it's going to burn you in the long run. And, and I look at Kerfoot's situation. I mean, I'm really quite frankly, there's eight point five million and two players. And I mean, there, there's something to work with there. I just I don't for me, it doesn't work to sit there and, and watch it skid. I just I don't I don't you know, the, for me, the franchise has to control the situation, not be played by it. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I agree with that. But again, when you're when you're married to those four people at 41 million, this is what you got. Now you put yourself in these situations, right? And well, yeah, but but why do you want to sit there and, and let it unfold? Don't you want to control your fate and, and say, you know, bring that Morgan Riley situation to a head, and then if it if it's not going to work for the team's benefit, you just trade him, uh, and you 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 know you do something with Kerfoot too, and you get bodies back. And uh, I just I don't know. I just have a really bad feeling about this. Roddy, you need this season. You can't trade him. You're not going to get value for him. Equal value. Wow. Well, that's need, that's you really need, you need him in this run, and maybe that says something else about your depth now. On defense, but you know, a key player of this too is Rasmus Sandin. What kind of step does he take this year? Does the, the does you know as we get deeper into the season, does he make the worry of losing Morgan Riley any greater or any less? Do you think he's going to be he's going to have to be a key player for them at some point? But I, I I'm of the mind that yeah, you don't know with Riley how that necessarily is going to go, but you also you're in between a rock and a hard place. I guess the bonus is you know he's a good hockey player. You have to keep him through this season. And then okay. I, I just think you do. Because if you want to increase your chances to win, he's got to be a part of that for you. And, again, I don't see them getting, excuse me, Jim, equal value on the ice right now that they need for him coming uh, if he was going to leave. Okay, so let's – I mean, it's it seems to me that it goes back to Rasmus Sandin at, at some point. Yeah. Um, and so you'd have to convince me. Um, I, I, if you just did it on, does he have the skill? I would say, yes, he has the skill. Yeah. Um, but clearly what he has to learn to do is, is, is get rid of the puck faster. I mean, Corey Perry knew exactly what to do with him yeah. in the playoffs. I, I mean, and this goes back to when he first broke in and he was playing a game in Detroit and Ablocator ran right at him and they, they actually sent him down to the minors shortly after because they realized he could be physically exploited. So, you know, you and I have seen smaller defensemen, smaller skilled defensemen, and he's not as small as Brian Rafalski was. Brian Rafalski rarely got tagged. He was too fast. And, and really, that Sandine has to pick up the speed, doesn't he? He does, but that I think all of this comes with, with the experience of learning. I don't think that no, no one in the Leafs organization will, will look at you in, with a straight face and say, we expected him to come in right away and make these things happen immediately. This is all part and, pulse, part and parcel of learning. And, you know, we can look at Sandine, and those are two those two examples are, are stand out because, you know, they were both kind of, well, not kind of, significant in the growing, uh, you know, in, his, in the growing stages of his career, if you will, but... Uh, these are the these are the things that you have to live with in a young defenseman because not many of them there aren't many Adam Foxes in the world who come in and, and be as dominant dominant as they are at that age. And when you're where did Sandine go late first round? He's certainly not going to be one of those guys you expect to come in and have that type of impact immediately. Learn on the job, as you do with ninety percent of these guys, and, and uh, you know you hope that now this year he's put some of that he can put more of that into practice. And like you say. 
have a more greater adjustment to the speed. I, I, I think he will, Jim. I think he's got the brains for it. I don't think there's any doubt about that. But again, these are part of the things that you know you have to you have to learn as a young defenseman coming in and playing every day at the NHL level. I think yeah. he's gonna be fine. I, I just don't know if it happens this year, but I think he's going to be a really solid defender for them for all said and done. Okay, just one more thing before I let you go. Let's go over the, the three significant UFAs that will play uh, likely their string out this year. So you got Campbell, uh, Riley, and Mikheyev. How problematic are those situations for you? Well, we'll have to see. It depends on how the season goes. I think, you know, <laughs> again, it's it's a catch-22. If Jack Campbell has a great season for you and, you know, becomes your as one example is your number one guy over peter mrazic and i think he will be and you know he has a great year then you go lose in the second round but you know that he's done enough to double if not triple his contract then you know for a while that was great now it becomes a tough situation for you i think you have a fairly good idea of what morgan riley is going to be getting anyway now i don't know i don't think morgan riley's play is going to have the dip this year Ilya mikhaev you know i know he does some good things for you but is he a superstar no will he ever be no Will he continue to be a role player for you? Probably. Would he be no matter where he goes? Yeah, I would think so. So I don't I don't think a player like him to me is a little more replaceable than uh, either of the other two. But, um, you know, we'll have to see. Again, perhaps Kyle Dubas does something that no one's anticipating. Uh, you know, perhaps it is a, a move of Kerfoot to free up some more money for you. That's the thing, Jim, that I find kind of interesting is the Leafs are going into this now you know, with the cap situation being, it is more or less right up against it. And Kyle Dubas said to us earlier in the summer, he wants to have some space as the season goes on. So he could, he could possibly do some things. Well, right now he can't do that. So we'll have to see where that goes. But as as far as those three go, um, you know, there's no, there's no great answer, unfortunately, right now for Leaf Nation, salary cap being what it is. And those three possibly going to free agency where you can look at it and go, yeah, it's all going to work out. Don't worry about it. That's impossible to do. And, at some point, you might have to pick uh, the one you want to go with the most, and uh, you know, shrug at the other two. I, I don't know. It's going to be. It's going to be like a, I use the word fascinating. It's going to be another uh, fascinating aspect of how it all unfolds this year for these guys. Last minute of play in this podcast. Thank you, Mike Ross. So now we're on a time budget to get everything done. So let's play a lickety split edition of Yes Guy, No Guy. Yes Guy, No Guy number one. Is it Stanley Cup or bust? Well, I'm going to say no, guy. They could get close. If they get in the final four, you would accept that. That's a major step forward. Certainly anything better than the first round elimination is a major step forward. But is it Stanley Cup or bust? I'm going to say no, guy. You may disagree. You're allowed to do that. Is it on the core players to get this job done? No guy, no guy, it's not. It's on everybody. Everybody has to chip in. You've seen the Stanley Cup winner. Of course, the core players are a big factor, but everybody else has to do a job too. So I have to ask you this. Is everybody on the hot seat, and I mean everybody on the hot seat this year? Oh, yes, guy. It's on everybody. And if it doesn't work out, there will be casualties. There's no question about that. Hope you enjoyed episode 56. Hope you come back next week for Leafs Guide, episode 57.